If you would, stand with me and we will have a moment of prayer. Our God, our Father, again, thank you. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you for allowing us freedom and opportunity to gather and worship you, be taught from the scriptures, bless and challenge each other in the ways of truth, in the ways of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the various places that people will be gathered and have gathered today. In your name, Father, bless bless all of them in their various places throughout the world. Pray that the uh, preaching of the word would fulfill its intended purpose. Father, you've said your word does not return void, and uh, we know that, uh, uh, I believe it was Paul even rejoiced that whether the word was preached in truth or in pretense, uh, that that the word was uh, taught. And so, Father, today, as the word is taught in many places, we pray that uh, lives, people's lives would be touched and affected and changed as people consider truth and uh, respond to it. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for again for this assembly here. Bless each one present. Meet our needs here today with spiritual nourishment. And uh, for any who would uh, had a desire to be here and are not able, bless them as well. Thank you again, Father. We ask and pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for the things that have been shared so far today. Appreciate... uh, Exhorting us how to become better complainers and more uh, and more truthful. The last uh, message that I shared here was a couple of weeks ago on uh, the Memorial Day weekend, and talked about uh, memorial uh, remembering and what a memorial is, and and talked about Memorial Day for the child of God. Uh, and uh, we discussed um, how, well, for example, there in the Old Testament, when God showed himself strong on behalf of the people, they sometimes put something in place to remind them about that particular incident. Um uh, the one situation was where they came through the uh, Red Sea and brought them 12 stones out and set up that pillar. And another place it was, oh, they were fighting that battle. And no, they were out. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm getting two stories mixed up or not. I believe it was when they were out uh, uh, worshiping and, and uh, uh, having kind of a revival service and the Philistines came along and and started uh, fighting him, and and God uh, God thundered on him. I think I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm on the right story. But anyhow, they, they, it was a situation where they put uh, set up a stone and called it uh, Ebenezer. Hitherto hath God helped us. So those are some of the uh, examples that we had looked at as far as uh, uh, memorials, things that a specific thing that reminds us of God's faithfulness and God's uh, truth, and so forth. We talked, uh, we mentioned how the New Testament, we have our communion service, which uh, is a memorial. It's a uh, it's something to, we do to remind us about something that God did for us. Jesus came, gave his life. It turns our focus and attention on it. So things that we... Uh, a memorial is intended to help us not forget something important. Um, 
we often write things down because we don't want to forget them. We listen to a message or we're having our devotions or we're reading in the scriptures and some little phrase kind of speaks to us and uh, stands out to us at that particular moment and uh, maybe I don't know what you do but sometimes I'll highlight it uh, or and I've already even put a date beside it and I can come back years later and read that verse see that date written there in my mind well it'll jog my memory to what God was doing or what, how, how God spoke to me at that time those are good things those are good things in life so, um, that message we were thinking about uh, the importance of remembering uh, things, uh, the importance of uh, uh, not forgetting about some of, some of the uh, God's faithfulness and God's ways and God's truth. Today, I've... Uh, I've titled the message, I guess I'm doing like Micah, giving the title a little bit of a twist. Uh, I titled the message, Remembering the Forgotten. <laughs> I have to explain that a little bit. Remembering the Forgotten. You know, there's, uh, there's things that um, we should try to remember, uh, like we, we would have discussed in the last message. And there's times we even put forth extra effort so we don't forget them. But then there's also things that should be forgotten. And uh, we'd like to look at that a little bit today. Uh, I'd like to begin by thinking about uh, some of something that uh, God has forgotten. We'll start in Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 through verse 13. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Notice there, verse 12, uh, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Then uh, if we go to chapter 10, verse 16 and 17, we have similar words. It says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So those are actually quotes from the Old Testament that we just read. Uh, maybe I'll, uh, if you wish, you can turn back to Jeremiah 31, read a couple of verses there where some of this is quoted from. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the days cometh, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which which covenant which my 
covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor or every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them even from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. <clears throat> so uh, this point, if you recall, is the things God has forgotten. And here he is saying, I will remember their sin no more. Um, and that was the, that was the, uh, Jeremiah here, we read the Old Testament prophecy that the New Testament writer was was quoting several times here in the book of Hebrews. Um, and we'll try to take this all apart a bit as we go. Um, Isaiah, just quoting a verse out of Isaiah 43.25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. So things that God has forgotten. It's good to remember that God has, that there's some things that are forgotten. Um, now what is, uh, like there in Hebrews 10.17, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. What is implied by this word remember? What does God actually mean? Does, uh, does God, uh, uh, Does God have a way of just uh, putting these, those things in oblivion where they, they're gone? Uh, as I was thinking about this, I thought about the word, uh, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And I thought about the word, a word picture I think that will help us. It's... Uh, it's the word, it's the, uh, the term um, account, uh, account your, uh, accounting, uh, using an, an accounting term. Um, in other words, we, we, uh, we all have, an, let's think of it this way, we all have an account with God. Um, I should have brought a folder maybe. You know, I have a desk or I have a filing cabinet and, and uh, it's full of files and I open the files and there's things in those files. There's papers in those files. We have, uh, uh, we have uh, as individuals, we have an account with God. Um, and as we go through life, and let's just think about it from the standpoint of uh, as a, an unsaved person. As we go through life, and, and all of us have been there at some point, we've been that unsaved person. Uh, we've been that person, uh, you know, the scripture tells us that death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Uh, basically, the Definition: The one-word definition of sin is selfishness, thinking only of myself, doing only what pleases me. Uh, that's a real quick and concise definition of selfishness. Uh, we all are very familiar with the fact that even small children begin to demonstrate selfishness in life, and there comes a point where uh, we reach in uh, we develop as as individuals from small children. There comes a point where we develop to where we be, uh, we develop enough in understanding to begin to realize that some things that we do are good and okay, and some things that we do are not okay. Uh, and of course, some of that is based on the level of teaching we've had. Uh, but even if we even even beyond the level of teaching we've had, uh, there is 
there is uh, there is something in every human being as they become older and understand uh, an understanding develops. There's something in us, uh, even if we have lacked a lot of teaching, there's something in us that understands uh, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, and uh, to some form, to some level. For example, um, there have you ever met an individual who maybe uh, had almost uh, almost zero teaching about God and about truth, but you grab a twenty dollar bill from him or you grab a hundred dollar bill from her, and she'll get upset or he'll get upset. And it might even uh, hit you and try and get that $20 bill back. Why? Why would the person get upset that uh, that you stole a $20 bill from them? Why would they do that? They have hardly any, uh, that individual may have uh, never heard the, uh, the, the, the uh, commandment that thou shalt not steal. They might not even know such a commandment exists. But why does the person get upset when you take that $20 bill or that whatever from them? They understand that there's a concept of of ownership. It's part of life. And you violated that concept. They understand that. The fact that they understood that enough to get angry with you means they understood that enough to be accountable in their own lives on that very truth. And that kind of understanding is in every... All all human beings have some level of that understanding that uh, there 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 is a right and a wrong. And when you take a $20 bill from me, that's wrong. Even though you never read... Uh, the, and never knew there's such a thing as a commandment: "Thou should not steal." So, as that, as that, uh, as individual people, as we, as we develop and as we uh, uh, begin to understand uh, the things of right and wrong, we all discover that there is very much an inherent bent in us to do the wrong. We understand that. Uh, there's just that, there's that in, there, there's that thing inside of us that would do wrong. And it's, it's, it's that, uh, matter of death having passed upon all men. And so, in our account with God begins to accumulate these sins, these, this, uh, deeds of selfishness, these thoughts of selfishness, these actions of selfishness, they begin to accumulate in our account. Just like uh, uh, you work a week's work and you uh, get a paycheck at the end of your two weeks or whatever, and you go and you put it into your account, and now there it is. That's a little bit what our account looks like with God. As we go through life and we we develop... Uh, uh, we become old enough to understand this this truth and and life and its realities, and we choose and we sin and we do the wrong and we do the make the selfish move and we think the hateful thought and we we uh, uh, yeah the various things we do in life that are sin our selfishness and we keep adding to our account with God, just like depositing a a paycheck in our bank account. As we sin, we keep adding to our account with God. And uh, that's a problem. We, we, we now have an account. Uh, in fact, let, let's just read um, Galatians 5. talks about the works of the flesh. Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. It 
says this, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And this uh, scripture describes these things as the works of the flesh, the things that a selfish, that we as selfish human beings would, in our own natural intuition, these are the things that we would do. These are the things that we would live in and have done in our past. Uh, the works of the flesh. When I read this, uh, when I read this list, uh, I would sometimes wish for an updated version <laughs> with using the words that are a little more common to us today. But uh, it gives a, you know, sin, uh, sins of the flesh, sins of the spirit, sins of uh, of the heart. Uh, just gives a. a yeah, very quick list. So as those things, as we commit those things and we do those things and we live in those things, our, our, uh, our, our folder is filling up and filling up and filling up and we're accounting uh, uh, sins in our lives and in our experience. So when God says, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So, is God saying that I will look, uh, no, let me say it this way. God is saying that I will look into their account and the sins will no longer be there. He'll open the folder and they're no longer there. So how is that possible? Does God just decide, okay, um, I guess I'm just going to empty that folder today. Is that how God looks at it? Is that how God does it? You know, um, so God is up here. And we are down here. And we have this folder. And it's full of all our works of the flesh that we have done, all our wickedness and thoughts and actions and all those things. How do we get to the place where God who knows all things and knows exactly what's in this folder, how do we get to the place where this account, our account with God, is emptied of sin? God says, I will remember no more. Uh, when the, way I, uh, the way I like to illustrate that is God is saying there's going to come a point and there's going to be a way that uh, uh, when I open their folder, that account of sin is no longer going to be in there. And how do we get to that? Is that just uh, the benevolence of God's heart that he just decides to empty the folder? Well, uh, how does God forget? How does he uh, empty that folder? Let's uh, go back to Hebrews, if you're not there already. We'll go to chapter 9, and the very last verse. <clears throat> Hebrews 9 
verse 28. So Christ was offered, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now that gives us a, a, a glimpse into uh, what we're looking for this morning as far as how does God empty that folder. Uh, because he says he's not going to have an account of those sins anymore. Let's... Uh, Let's read on into chapter 10. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Uh, maybe I'll stop there for the moment. Um, so this writer is, is uh, he's writing to Jewish uh, people. And he's, he's uh, uh, working at convincing them of the superiority of Christ over their Old Testament law and sacrifices. And uh, we are not here today coming from a, quote, Jewish uh, standpoint, and, uh, but nevertheless, we, uh, we learn and benefit and develop our understanding by just listening in to his discussion with the, with the Jews. Uh, but anyhow, the, uh, so the, they had their, uh, offerings that they offered every year, uh, their time of, of once a year, uh, uh, going through their whole process of, 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 uh, sacrificing, uh, uh, perfect, uh, uh, lambs and offering blood for their sins and every year, there was a uh, a remembrance made of sin and, and confession made and, and sacrifices given. It was not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. It was a it was satisfied God for the time. It covered for their sins, but it did not take away sin. Uh, but uh, anyhow. Here, in this uh, verse uh, 28, he says, For Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Once offered, meaning he only had to be offered one time. In, in, in other words, it doesn't have to be done every year. Uh, he did it uh, once, and that is all that was necessary. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, like I said, it didn't remove their sins. It only provided an, a, a partial atonement for the time uh, and pointed to a time when their sins would be removed. Now, going on in chapter 10 here, uh, maybe just uh, continuing here in verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice thou wouldest not but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure in that therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish a second by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 
And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering hath he perfected forever them which are sanctified. Maybe just read on down to verse 17. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. How is it that God empties that account? (laughs) We've read it here, but let's talk about it a little bit. So this man... uh, who is Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So, uh, we have the cross here between us and God. And on that cross is where Jesus offered his life a ransom for sin. And Jesus... uh, As this scripture says, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity. And because Jesus offered himself, uh, we who believe in Jesus can now have our folder emptied out. The account of sin is emptied out. And when God looks into that folder, that whole record of sin that was back there is no longer there. And it's because of what Jesus has done for us. And so God does not keep account of them any longer because they are taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I believe that's what it means uh, about God saying, I will remember them no more. They're no longer in the account. The blood of Jesus Christ has taken care of them. But, it doesn't just happen. We we have to respond to what God has done and uh, make it personal for us. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We're... I believe was Peter's words when he finished up his first sermon uh, on after uh, on Pentecost. The offering of the Lord Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity made it possible to have our account emptied of our sinful past. <clears throat> so that is the. Uh, Remembering the forgotten. I think it's good to remember that God has forgotten, has emptied out the account of our sinful past if we have, in fact, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and have uh, made Him our personal Lord and Savior and trusted Him for the forgiveness of sins and for a new life and for his spirit within to make us a new man, uh, living a new life that is empowered by him, by Christ and his spirit. So that's uh, that's the part of God uh, and uh, remembering the forgotten. Uh, he has forgotten your past record if you are a believer your past record of sin. <clears throat> now, I'd like to turn the focus just a little bit to to us. Are there things that we should forget? Probably are. Huh? Go to 1 Peter. Are you and I remembering to forget? 
First Peter one, or excuse me, First Peter four, verse eight says this, and we're just breaking into one verse here, one sentence. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And I don't know what you think about when you read that verse. Uh, that that verse may be somewhat, again, a quote from the Old Testament. There's a proverb that says, Proverbs 10, verse 12, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Obviously, that uh, that verse is speaking to us as human beings, and it's speaking to us about our relationships uh, with each other. And basically, what well, in short, in short, what it is saying is, when there is charity in the heart, offenses. Um, are not uh, accounted for. I guess I'll say it that way. Uh, again, thinking about this folder in the account. You know, I'm sure that uh, most of you, especially you here, here who are married um, and otherwise as well, we all have a, a great, uh, we have numerous relationships that we enjoy and appreciate. Um, but I, I think, and I trust that, and I'm going to speak to, uh, use the illustration of us as married folks. You know, there are, there are, uh, offenses and sins that happened in our relationships as couples. We don't always understand each other right. We don't always use the kindest words in speaking to each other. Things happened. But you know what? When there is love, when there is charity, when your when when your love is real, it's alive, it's it's healthy. Let's say it that way. If your love is healthy, those things never go into the folder, do they? I mean, if they go in, they're 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 only there for a short time, and you 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 hardly take account of those offenses. I mean, sure, sometimes there's serious things that that, that happen, and you. You sit down and have the discussion and talk through them and the understanding has to, uh, has to take place and all those things. We, we recognize that. But what this is saying is when there is charity, when there is love, when the love is healthy, those, those, uh, those, those offenses, those things that occur don't go into the folder. They, you, 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 you it's not hard to overlook them. It's not hard to, uh, See past what took place. Thinking of the uh, uh, love chapter there in Corinthians, love bears, uh, endures all things, bears all things, endures all things. I forget, I forget uh, what it all says there, but that's the idea. And then there are those things that. Uh, uh, perhaps happen that test our love. And, you know, in any relationship, you from time to time probably have that bigger test where that uh, more difficult thing occurs. And that's when we have to be on our guard that we don't begin to accumulate those things in our file. You know, we kind of all have, we have various files with each other. And we can begin to accumulate those things in our files. Let's, uh, let's look at another familiar scripture in Matthew. Um, speaks to this subject, speaks to actually both of these subjects that we've discussed so far. Matthew 18. I'll begin in verse 23, Matthew 18, 23. It says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. 
And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. And in my center column, it says an equivalent to several million dollars, ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, let's stop there. He emptied the folder, is what he did. He emptied the folder. And when he, when the, when the uh, Lord, from that point on, when the Lord looked into that folder in this illustration, that debt was no longer there because he had emptied it for him, had compassion, emptied it. But that same servant whose folder had been emptied went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat. Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison that he should pay until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, Art, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? So the... the uh, uh, servant number one had his folder emptied of a huge debt. But then he turned around and had no compassion on his fellow servant who owed him a little bit. And we, we know the story. Um, since we have been forgiven so much since God has emptied our folders of so much more than we could ever pay more than we could ever even begin to pay had no way to pay God expects us to exercise the same kind of heart toward those who we interact with day by day who Perhaps wrong us, or we, yeah, who uh, who have an account with us, or develop an account, or we allow it to be an account. He is asking us to also empty that account, and and uh, when we look in, it's uh, it's empty. It's a challenge, but it is something that uh, we, we, we definitely need to think seriously about. And I know we do. I know we do. To be able to, you know, sometimes we get hung up over the word remember, forget, you know. This person did some pretty harsh things. How can I ever forget? Well, you might not forget, but what when you open the folder... Is it still there? Maybe that's the question. Is it still there? Is it still in the file? So there's that aspect of remembering to forget. We have the uh, and we, and this this this. Um, parable here in in Matthew uh, bears out both of these that we've talked about so far. The the fact of God emptying the the folder and the fact of us uh, being willing to empty the folders of of the things that obviously we we want good things in the folders but uh, we do need to empty them of the of the uh, 
offenses and those kind of things. <clears throat> now, I'd like to go on to another perspective of forgetting those, uh, forgetting, remembering to forget. And this cha- uh, changes the concept or yeah, a bit of a different concept or a different uh, vein of thought, but one that we find in the scripture. And this one is in Philippians 3, verse uh, 13 to 15. We have Paul here as he's writing to the uh, church at Philippi. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. You know, why does Paul, who was one of the most uh, remarkable men um, One of the most remarkable disciples of Jesus, I guess I could say, uh, with so much, may I use the word drama, surrounding his life, so much, uh, God just, Paul putting himself out on the limb and God showing himself strong on Paul's behalf and Paul putting himself out on the limb and you know what I mean by that term, Paul just pressing through on, and and he says, I forget the things that are behind and I reach forward. Why is that? Why is he wanting to forget the things that are behind? You know, last message we talked about remembering the milestones. Remembering those places where God met our needs, where God answered our prayers, where God showed himself strong on our behalf. Remembering those things. And Paul is saying, and forgetting those things. Did I preach heresy in the last message? Well, let's uh, unpack this a little further. There's a reason I believe Paul says what he says, and I think we'll understand. Uh, You know, it's, it's good to remember for the purpose of encouraging our hearts to continue to press into God. It's good to remember God's faithfulness and the things that God has done for the purpose of encouraging our hearts to continue to pursue God, to continue to press into God. The problem comes when we relax and begin to live on the past successes and make that our focus. After all, look what God did back there, you know. And there's a good feeling that accompanies what God did back there. And we delight in the memory of what God did back there. And that's all great. But you know what? That was back there. And what about now? What about today? What about tomorrow? Uh, We glory in the past and fail to aspire for the future. Sometimes... uh, with, uh, we sometimes often, in fact, this is often said and is often true, the good keeps us from the best. It's, uh, the, to, to, yesterday's successes can, can keep us from future successes. <clears throat> so, sometimes we need to forget. Let's look at an illustration in the Old Testament. We got really close to it this morning when uh, Micah was in Numbers. In Numbers 21, this is an account that you're going to be familiar with. Beginning verse 4, Numbers 21, verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to, to compass the land of Edom. 
and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathes this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and, the, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it became, and it came to pass that if, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So, the children of Israel complained, a wrong kind of complaining. God sent snakes among them, and when people were bit by the snakes, they died, and the people repented, and God told Moses, make a serpent of brass and put it up on a pole in the middle of the camp. And when a person is bitten, all they have to do is look on the pole and they'll be healed. And that is a picture of Christ uh, and how we look on, look to Christ. So, but anyhow, back to the real life factor at that point. If, you know, anyone was bitten, if you could, you know, Whatever you had to do, you got to where you could see that serpent so they could look and look on the serpent and and uh, be healed so it was a it was a uh, one of those moves of God, one of those uh, ways that God met the need of his people well let's go to uh, let's go to second kings eighteen and see what happened down the road. So here in 2 Kings 18, we have Hezekiah as king at this time. And in verse 2 of chapter 18, it says he was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And in verse 3, it says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. And verse 4 is the verse we're looking for. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto the, unto, for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. And he, uh, Hezekiah called it Nehushtan, uh, which means a, a piece of brass. Well, here we have this very same serpent that once was a a very important piece of of Israel's experience. In fact, it was very important because if they didn't look on that serpent when they were bit by the by those snakes, if they didn't look on the serpent, they died. So it was an incredibly important piece. But here they were, some generations later, and rather than allowing that serpent, that brass serpent, to remind them and turn their focus to the faithful and the living God who had met their needs all along, they started worshipping it and burning incense to it. And Hezekiah took the thing and ground it to powder. Is that what he did with it? Uh, break it, uh, and uh, because they, they were worshiping the thing. So, there's an example of uh, where they needed to, basically, they needed to forget uh, that which was behind them. It was becoming a stumbling block to them, and they needed to forget it and get back to uh, focusing on God. So rather than, yeah, like I said, rather than allowing it to point them to God and His faithfulness, they worshiped the object. <clears throat> and a past, a past high point 
and their experience became a stumbling block to them. And that's that's what I believe Paul was meaning by uh, in Philippians there when he said, uh, let me just go back to Philippians chapter 3. Just a bit earlier in the chapter, Philippians 3, uh, verse 7, Paul says, But what things were gained to me, these I count dung, uh, these I count it loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but dung that I may win Christ. Uh, and as he says there in verse, uh, Verse 13, I count, uh, I count not myself to have apprehended. You know, uh, forgetting those things which are behind. As we, as I kind of draw this message to a close, I kind of want to close with this thought. You know, like Paul here, uh, he, he, uh, he does not consider himself to have apprehended. He does not consider himself to have arrived. Uh, he's always pressing forward. In fact, he in verse 10 he says uh, that I... Well, let me read verse 9 as well. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Um, you know, knowing the Lord is, uh, it's not something where we, um, we have this experience with God and then we, we can go on with life and we know the Lord because back here we maybe we're born again and we need to be born again. Knowing the Lord, as Paul says it here, that I may, uh, that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, fellowship of His sufferings, and being made conformable unto His death. Knowing the Lord is a daily experience, a daily uh, reality that we should aspire to. Knowing the Lord each day, in, in each day's uh, circumstances, in each day's realities that life uh, has, and, and each day's callings, and each day's opportunities, to know the Lord throughout those days is something that we want to aspire to. We don't want, and in that sense, we want to forget what's behind. We want to forget we don't want to park on what God did last week or the week before or two weeks ago or a year ago. We want to know Him fresh today. We want to experience His power today in today's situations, today's challenges, today's responsibilities. Uh, we don't want to park on the past. We forget about that in, a, in, in our aspiration for today, for tomorrow. Uh, I believe that's what Paul is saying. And, I, and, and that's what I'd like to leave with us. And that's what I'd like for my own heart. To, uh, to keep aspiring to know the Lord through life's, in life's journey. And to experience His sustaining grace and His uh, help and His uh, guidance day by day. Circumstance by circumstance. Experience by experience. Uh, there's not a place uh, per se of to stop and park and rest. <laughs> you know, there is a place of rest in our hearts. I, I, I trust you have that. But while your heart is at rest in the Lord, it also can uh, be aspiring to know Him in in in, in a day by day uh, day by day in the journey. So that is what I'd like to leave with us today. Thus, uh, the need to remember to forget. <laughs> There's things to forget in the journey. Uh, and I'm thankful that there's things that God forgets. So I want to encourage us with those words. If you are able, kneel with me and we will close with prayer. <clears throat>
Heavenly Father, again, we quiet our hearts before you. Thank you. Thank you again for your love and care for us here today. Thank you for each one present. Thank you for the work of grace in each person's life. Keep on working, Lord. Take us on. Uh, fulfill. Uh, complete that which you have begun in us. And we have confidence you will. Father, just uh, again pray that uh, there could have been a nugget for each person here. Something to encourage their hearts. Something to get a hold of. Something to retain. And uh, just take uh, make uh, take that next step of... of uh, in our relationship with you, in our journey with you, Lord. Thank you. Again, we pray and thank you for the freedom that our governments give us to meet and uh, not be hindered and, undis- and, and disturbed in, our, in the process. Thank you, Lord. Again, Father, bless, bless the preaching of your word throughout the world. Bless your people. We pray for those in Russia, Ukraine, where there's much turmoil and the surrounding countries where refugees have fled to and are still uh, coming and going. Lord, be with them. Be with your people. Show yourself strong on their behalf. Sustain them in their afflictions. Comfort them and uh, draw their hearts to you. Bless those who are uh, laboring to relieve the afflictions of many and uh, help them to... uh, Open the doors of opportunity that they may reach the people who really do have a need, Lord. So we, again, thank you, Lord. Again, thank you, Lord, for this assembly. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.